Hello everyone, my name is Andy Spiteri, and I'm the host of the ZeldaCast, and the Omega Metroid Podcast, and Virtual Theater. As you can tell, I really love podcasting. After almost six years of the ZeldaCast, five years of Virtual Theater, and four years of the Omega Metroid Podcast, I swore that I would never make another podcast, but here I am today, excited to announce not one, not two, but three extra bonus shows that you can get each month on my newly reimagined Patreon channel, available at patreon.com forward slash spnet. You'll have your choice of bonus shows, depending on which tiers you choose to sign up for. Each podcast has its own monthly bonus show. The ZeldaCast will have the ZeldaCast Top 10s, where we can have some fun and give out a classic ranking on different topics each month with a different guest. Omega Metroid will continue with the Great Metroid Area Ranking, where we are ranking every single area in the Metroid series. And Virtual Theater will debut the Spiteri's Review, a show where my wife and I will give some thoughts on movies or shows old and new. There's also an ultimate tier that will get you access to all of these bonus shows if you really want to take your Spiteri podcasting to the next level. If that isn't enough, all shows feature a level of interactivity where patrons can weigh in and vote on which topics, shows, and areas we discuss next. Membership starts at as little as $1 a month, so I'm hoping you'll check out all the great bonus content that's going to be coming your way on patreon.com forward slash spnet. Whatever your bonus show of choice, I want to thank you for listening, and I hope to be able to see you over at patreon.com forward slash spnet. Welcome to the ZeldaCast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spiteri, joined by Allison Aletha. What's going on, Al? Happy long weekend. What's... Yes. It's Labor Day for you guys, yeah. right? It's not like a, Labor a Day. weird... Okay. Well, yeah. sometimes we so, have holidays and you don't have the same... But, like, they're they're yeah. called different things. Right. right. Um. So, it's like a... It's a very relaxing, because you and I, we weren't able to make it to PAX this year. Otherwise, that's where we would be right now. Yes. I am getting flooded with emails inviting me to things at PAX yeah. right now, yeah. today. Still, and, yeah. Uh, and I'm not there. I'm sorry. Next year. I know. I'm sorry, too. I, I tried to reply to some of them if they felt a little bit more like a personal reach out, you know? Not like, yeah. obviously, not like super personal, but because I like, I felt bad and like not professional. So, <laughs> like, I don't know. The government worker in me was like, I don't like not replying to these emails. You're, you're better than I am. I seen those emails and I'm just like, swipe 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 <laughs> and uh so if, if you've emailed if you're a developer or just anyone that's emailed me i'm i'm really sorry email i was, me I was bummed out yeah i was bummed out that i could go to pax too. and so yeah. yeah like when you get to pax emails it's just kind of like ah you know let's just move on there I'll, was a lot of cool stuff that they like yeah. that people were inviting us to and uh, so i am bummed that i don't get to see that um but i i'm like i'm making the best of it and having a nice chill weekend instead so I'm playing a lot of Metroid Prime 2 Echoes. I don't know about you. I'm playing Boulder's Gate 3. I'm so happy. (laughs) Nice. As as soon as I'm done Echoes, I'm uh, going to go and get that that Sea of Stars that we were talking about before the show. Mm -hmm. It looks awesome. Very, very cool. Um, Okay. We're finally ready. We're finally going to do it. We we promised a couple weeks ago, 
and then we pulled a bait and switch, and we uh, <laughs> we got people to tune in for the Wind Waker episode. And I don't think anybody was mad about that, actually. And then we had already booked Doom for the music episode. So we are here today to fulfill our oath, to fulfill our promise. It's time. It's time that we went full bore spoiler cast into Tears of the Kingdom. And I want to warn everybody off the top of this show, we are going to be talking extensive Tears of the Kingdom spoilers. And I think that this is a good moment to officially throw the spoiler warning out the window forever on this podcast. So, like, if you're listening to the Zelda cast and you hear us talk about the end battle, what happens in, in Tears of the Kingdom at the end, anything like that, the game's been out for, for several months now. Um, it's, it's time. It's time that we talk about this game and get into the full everything. So, so mm-hmm. spoiler, the gloves are off, okay? We are going to be delving into the depths of Tears of the Kingdom story from here on out. In today's episode, obviously, specifically, but just going forward, you're going to hear us talk about the end of the story, much like you would just hear us mention the ending of Breath of the Wild or Skyward Sword or anything like that. The time mm-hmm. has come to to put uh, Tears of the Kingdom into that same category. Now, when DLC comes out, story DLC specifically, obviously, there will be some sensitivity there. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, for, for now... We're we're ready. Speaking of DLC, we've already gotten uh, a thing of DLC for Breath of the Wild at this point, didn't we? It was only like three, four months out that the the first batch was released. Am I remembering yeah, that wrong? Yeah, the first batch came out in like Juneish, um, because that was like the master uh, version or whatever, right. the hard version. And I think the the Trial of the Sword. I want to say um, it was the next wave that was like story specific dlc so right. so yeah we already had the first wave by now um i'm okay with not having a first wave of dlc already at this point i feel like yeah. i've been wanting a little bit of a break me too because but i will say that i've been seeing a lot of people like playing tears again not again but like seeing it on my social media people playing it and it's making me want to jump back into it so i'm 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 glad i'm taking a little break and i'm getting myself geared up for when those dlcs hit or dlc whatever if it's yeah. one or two waves I, I think it'll be two. I mean, everything else was so... Breath of the Wild did it, so we got to do it for Tears of the Kingdom. That it makes sense mm-hmm. to me. That and Age just... of Calamity, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm getting ready for that. I, I want to say it was about nine or ten months out from Breath of the Wild releasing to the Champions Ballad releasing as well. So mm-hmm. we, we've still got a bit of time. I mean, I have to imagine... That we, were, we were kind of talking about this before we went on air... I have to imagine that like the the second batch of DLC for Tears of the Kingdom has to be the swan song for the Nintendo Switch. Like unless unless there's a direct coming up in the next uh, little bit that shows off this amazing lineup of games for 2024, mm-hmm. I think I think it's time to to start transitioning to the Switch 2. Rumors are flying around that developers have Switch 2 development kits, so like I I think you know, I think that uh we could begin the Switch life with, with Zelda, and we could end it with Zelda as well, which seems very apropos to me. Be, that would be super cool. But I also we also have to consider, we were talking about if we were going to talk about Mar- Super Mario Wonder, and we're not really going to touch too much on it. But they also open, like the Switch opened with Odyssey, maybe it also end with Wonder too. So there's still that as well. Like, I guess Wonder is a pretty big game that's coming you know, at the end of this year. I don't so. see any DLC coming out for that game, though. I, I don't think so. And Did like Odyssey you, have DLC? I don't remember. I don't think so either. Mm-hmm. 
We'll see. I mean, so we've got we've got Switch games up till the end of the year. We've got Mario RPG. We've got Wonder. Actually, I don't know what we have for December, but, but something. I I think probably is all the DLC. That's that was my yeah. guess. Is that um, December was going to be Game Awards time? It was going to be very similar to what happened with Breath of the Wild and Champions Ballad. Um, I was also guessing that Tears was going to win Game of the Year, but I no longer think that. So I guess we'll I think see it's going to be Baldur's coming. Gate three. I, uh, I agree. I think Baldur's Gate 3 is going to take Game of the Year. So I've seen I guess a lot we'll of see. good reviews. You know what? You know what we're going to get in December? Mark my words. If there's if there's no game on the release schedule and Nintendo <laughs> is sitting to the, thinking to themselves like, oh, we, we got to put something out to fill, to fill the month. You know exactly what I'm about to say. <laughs> They're going to do what they always do. They're going to break the glass... They're going to pull out that miserable pink puffball Kirby and they're going to say, what gimmick can we slap Kirby on this month and produce a cheap game and just get it out there to people to buy it? That's what they're going to do. I love it. As God is my wit, mark my words, mark my words. So there you go. Yeah. And we also have the two, I think there's two waves of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet DLC as well. Like one at Mm. the end here actually soon. And then another, I think come the new year. So, right. I guess see. we'll see. I, I do think this is like kind of our winding down, huh, of the Switch. Um, I'm really excited to to cover the Nintendo Direct, hoping and assuming that it happens in September, because I think that will give us a very big indication of like how far away the end of the Switch's life really is. Mm-hmm. I agree. I would look forward to that that Direct as well, because I feel like it'll be a little bit refreshing since we've just been talking about tears so much. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's do it. Let's talk about this uh, this Tears of the Kingdom story. Now, I wanted to give everybody kind of a breakdown about how this is going to work because um, a lot a lot of the story in Tears of the Kingdom, there's like these micro stories, right? And we've covered a lot of those micro stories. So like we covered the the, the regional phenomenon, we covered the Dragon Tears, and we're going to recap the Dragon Tears because it's very pertinent to the main story, um, but we're not going to go in depth with that. If you want to hear our full thoughts about the Dragon Tear side quest, you can go check that episode out. So we're going to cover the beginning, which kind of sets up the story, a little bit of the middle, and of course, obviously, we're going to delve into the end, and we're going to talk about some other things too, like this game's relation to Breath of the Wild, and um, a little bit more about the structure. Some stuff that we've touched on before, but I, I think that it's important to bring it back in to kind of help augment the points and maybe some of the the issues that we have with Tears of the Kingdom story. And I also want to say too, if you if you're if you're tuning in and you think that you're gonna hear two Zelda fans gushing over the story, I think you're gonna be in for a little bit of a of a disappointment. Now, I will say that there's a lot of things in the story that I really, really like. And I'm gonna mm-hmm. talk about the things that I really like. But there's there's things that I don't like and things that I think could have been better and things that I think could have been done differently. And and we're gonna be critiquing it. We're gonna be um we're gonna right. be giving some some critical feedback here and it doesn't mean that we hate the game doesn't mean any of that it's just you know i I think that we can really appreciate this game while at the same time realizing that maybe it has certain flaws in certain areas and i would uh i would suggest that maybe story is the biggest offender in that category so we'll see how it goes um anything you want to add to that before we kind of get going Kind of like you said, there. This is probably going to be a bunch of like about a bunch of things we've talked about and touched on on other episodes. But this is us kind of bringing it all into one place, all into one more cohesive flow of thoughts, you right. know, instead of like super spread out like we have been. So I'm kind of excited about that, and I, I, I'm glad we took this long because I think sitting with it for a couple months has 
helped maybe solidify our opinions and our thoughts about it. Yeah. And and then I agree. Two things can be done at once. I can love Tears of the Kingdom and um I and like think that it's probably high up there in my Z- Zelda top favorite Zelda games, you know, but I still have a lot of like critique about it because it's a it's supposedly a direct sequel and I think they did a lot of things not great. So Yeah. Yeah, just putting that out there. Okay. Well, buckle in. Let's go. So this is going to be like almost a recap and then we're going to comment on on some of the things that that start here. So of course, um we should start at the beginning. I think the opening for this game is awesome. God, the opening was awesome. The the sense of of mystery when you are going down to those Zonai caverns and you see the the tapestry, you see the legend right on the wall. God, that was awesome. Like, that made me so excited and so pumped for this game mm-hmm. that that's that's honestly one of my favorite moments. Like one of the moments that sticks out to me the most. And like there there were also some feelings of like I can't believe I'm finally playing this game after so yes. many years of talking about yeah. it. Yeah, but. Um, that it I was, was so good. Thing, like I was thinking the same thing. Like ten o'clock at night after you went to the nine o'clock yeah. night release, and you come home and you plug it in, and you're like, you get that opening, and like the heartbeats, you know, start oh. right away. There's no, there's not even like an opening menu screen. It just is like dun dun, and you like start. It's so cool, and it, I had the exact same feeling. I was like, I can't believe we're finally here. Like this is happening, and. A lot of the theories that we've been having or the community have been having are playing out right before our eyes within those first like two minutes. You know what I mean? So, yes, I agree. It was in- such an incredible intro to this game. And, and we talked about this a little bit on our first impressions episode way back in in May. But, um, yeah, like like the Zonai were immediately right away like a big part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I kind of like the fact, too, that like, you know, in, in previous uh, iterations of the legend, you, you've seen or you've heard, like, the three goddesses descended from the sky and, like, the or Hylia descended from the sky. In this game, the Zonai descend from the sky. So it's pretty, it's, like, kind of a cool twist on, like, the, the legend that you know and a good way to kind of, to use a wrestling term, get over the Zonai as, like, these really cool, powerful beings, implying that they are literally responsible, not implying, actually, saying they're they're responsible for, like, life on Hyrule and the kingdom of Hyrule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially like as Zelda is go- going through each mural and kind of explaining like, I've studied the Zonai in my studies and like it's it's said that my ancestors yeah. are the combination of the Zonai and the people creating Hyrule. Um, so I think that was really cool. Again, that was I want to say this is like almost the most like confirming piece of the of Tears of the Kingdom and its story in general. It was like very rewarding off the bat. Yes. To have sat here in six years, theorize a bunch of stuff about this game, and have like a lot of it confirmed within the first like five minutes of the game. You know what I mean? And I and I think too, if if you'll remember, I, I was kind of skeptical about the Zonai because I was like, you know, there was a couple throwaway lines in Breath of the Wild. That, you know, I think people are maybe overestimating the importance uh-huh. that Zonai is going to play, and like I, immediately they were just like. You're you're wrong again. Guess what? Look, here's yeah. the Zonai. <laughs> the Zonai created this world, brother. Like you, yeah. you could not be more wrong. So, but I was happy to be wrong about that because I think like it really did add a little bit more to the game. And in fact, I one of my critiques about the story is like I wish that you saw more of the Zonai. Like they mm-hmm. they really only 
again, are kind of mentioned. Like, yes, you see Raru, yes, you see Minoru, but you don't really see anything other than that. And I'm not saying that you would have had to have, um, like, seen a but like a, like a town of Zonai. But if I can, people must be so sick of this, but, like, if I could reference Metroid here for a second. In Metroid, you see, like, the Chozo everywhere. There's Chozo statues, there's civilization. They always feel like they're just out of grasp, like, just out of reach. And I and I kind of was hoping for a little bit of that with the Zonai um, in this game. Because, like, I, I thought that they were really cool. Like, yes, you see all these, like, Zonai structures and temples and stuff like that, which is cool. But, um... I get, yeah, I guess I guess I just liked them where I wanted more of them, which, which is probably good because I feel like you should always be wanting more rather than just be like, I'm sick of these guys. I don't want to see them again. Yeah. So while I'm while I'm sitting here saying that this is like probably the most rewarding part of the game where a lot of things is like confirmed, like, yes, the zone I are here. Here's like uh, the confirmation that them or they and the the people created Hyrule together and they descended from the heavens. But that's kind of like all you get. You see Raru, you see Minru. Um, you have those like scripts uh, that are up in the sky on the flower islands that are written by that the scribe that used to follow yeah. um, them around. You have that, but who, like, is everybody going to do that bit to learn just a tiny bit more about Rauru and Sonya and Zelda in the past? Like, no, not everybody's going to do that. So they're missing that bit of the information. And then on top of that, it's just like, I kind of wish I could have seen Rauru and Minoru come down and meet Sonya and create yeah. Hyrule. Instead, it's like already established that that happened. So that's kind of one of the things where when you're sacrificing story for your open world exploration or your building mechanic, you're missing some of these points that people yeah. would have really appreciated to understand these characters better, or understand the people, the Zonai better. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, and I have two things to add to that first, actually it, it almost took me to like the very ending of my notes here. And I made, I made a lot of notes. Um, but but I one of my notes is like I really love Raru in this game like his design is cool I think they they nailed his voice like he sounded great um, yes. he he was like a likable character like I was like I would have loved to have seen more Raru like a like a traditional companion with with Raru because I, I thought he was great and mm -hmm. um, and they didn't quite do that so again I was left a little bit wanting but not necessarily like the worst way because I was like I guess like I guess it's better to be wanting rather than oversaturated and i'm not convinced that there's not going to be like another age of calamity or something like age of upheaval sure. or something with <laughs> raru is like a playable character i i think that that could yeah. be like on the books still yeah that's cool and i can understand why your time with raru is so limited it's like it's a mirror of the plateau on yeah. breath of the wild with the old man so raru kind of is the mirror of a king of hyrule helping you through your tutorial island. Right. So like I get I get the concept, but at the same time, that's another thing that Tears did where it was like the same as Breath of the Wild that maybe we didn't need it to be the same. You know what I mean? That's that leads me to my second point that I was about to make, which to to what you said, I think that there is a running theme or a running arc in this game where it's like they they really did sacrifice story for being able to do whatever you wanted to do. And there's very specific points that I want to talk about when we get there. But like, I, if I, if, if I sound like I'm repeating myself, I think it's because it runs throughout the entire game, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, but let's get there first. So, so them going down to the chamber is awesome. Is, is awesome. Mm -hmm. However, and actually the whole sequence in the chamber, um, basically up until the end of the great sky, I think is, is incredible. But there, I do have a few nitpicks that I, I want to go through here. 
Um, so first of all, maybe you can answer this for me, Al, because you're you're much smarter than I am. What, like, so so Ganondorf has been sealed down there for like thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. What exactly causes him to wake up the moment that he does? And this is the first instance where I think like a little bit of continuity with Breath of the Wild might have helped because in my head it's just like, okay, Calamity Ganon, whatever that was, was defeated. Um, maybe that triggered something in Ganondorf where all this this gloom came out and started going everywhere or like something like that. So it, it feels very happenstance that they, they, you know, go and find Ganondorf down there mm-hmm. where I think I would have rather them just be like, like Calamity Ganon was, was an agent of the demon King or, or like an extension of him. Or he was like, he was like the one ring of two, you know, Ganondorf's Sauron or something like that. And since he was defeated, that's that's triggered something in Ganondorf that, like, we have to go and investigate because maybe the seal is weakening. I think that's what I would have liked to have seen versus mm-hmm. them just kind of going down there and Ganondorf's just like, <laughs> oh, I should get up. Like, because that, that's kind of what it feels like a little bit. Like, it's very yeah. cool. Like, don't get me wrong. It's cool. But it, it's yeah. kind of just like, okay, well, that's bad timing. That's bad luck. Mm-hmm. Um... So this is tough because there is a timeline of of events, but you have to put it together yourself. And maybe this is where I'm going to start. I'm like finally, finally going to start giving you leeway on the calamity stuff and the malice and whatnot. Not 100%, but just like the fact that Nintendo does continue to not spell things out is a bit frustrating. So you do have the events that are in the murals that Zelda finds down there where it's with the Demon King. That's what Rome tells you is that they fought the Demon King, right? Yeah. And that his fall to malice is what created the calamity that happened 10,000 years ago. So this is before the 10,000 years ago events, okay? And then it was prophesied to happen again 100 years before Breath of the Wild. It happened again. We fin- we saved everybody from the calamity. Great. So now there's this gloom that's coming up, which is the seal breaking on Ganondorf. And the only thing that I can think of is, like, they go to investigate the gloom and the reason that Raru's like magic with the secret stone holding, you know, sealing Ganondorf breaks is because it was meant to in that moment because that's how Zelda set it up in the past. She's uh-huh. like, I know what's happening, right? Obviously, this Zelda that's down there that we know already doesn't know what's happening, but the right. Zelda in the past does. And right. she's like, I know this is happening, so here's all my setup to prevent, you know, another calamity. Right. That's the only thing I could think of that happens because it's not really explained why. I, I love that you set me up for the uh, the next thing I was about to say, and I and I did mention this on the Dragon Tear episode, but I think it, it it's worth repeating. I'm I'm a little disappointed that um, I'm a little disappointed in the lack of explanation for Zelda falling into that black hole and just being warped into the past, especially because I think that there was such a, an amazing ready-made explanation for it which you just laid out so zelda at the game as as the game unfolds zelda you know ganondorf wakes up stuff starts breaking the upheaval happens and zelda falls into the void and and link's arm gets ripped off and um zelda just well well it does get ripped off it's it's (laughs) like just and link's arm gets ripped off just you know (laughs) now zelda instead of dying fall like she warps backwards into time this is mm-hmm. fine. This is this is fine set up because you're it's a mystery like where is Zelda? And I like that mystery. However, there is no explanation 
for why or what caused Zelda to go backwards into time. And now some people might be just like, well, what's the big deal? Like she just went back into time. She had a secret. She had a secret stone at this point, right? Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and I can't, where did she find that secret stone? I can't remember. So it's it's attached to Raur's like disassembled hand that's, that's sealing right. Ganondorf. Okay. So it when the hand falls, the secret stone falls out, and Zelda picks it up, and she's holding it as right. she falls. So I mean, I I could accept that explanation where like the spirit of Raru wants to protect Zelda, knowing how important she is, and it transports her backwards into time. I can accept well, that. Well, that's that's not his power. It's her power. She's got time travel, not him. So it was her, her power being activated by the secret stone. Yes, yeah, so I'm sorry. So so she gets the secret stone from Raru, and and some kind of flight or fight trigger goes, and, and she goes backwards in time. Like, yeah, that, that's, that's that's the best explanation we have. <laughs> and that's 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 serviceable. However, what really would have been awesome, and you, which is frustrating because you see parts of it, is like if Zelda had this wicked plan. And, you know, she she knows that she is going to uh, draconify herself and and be and turn into a dragon. But how does how does she trigger the events to, that actually lead to Ganondorf's demise? There's two things that she needs to do. First of all, she needs to break the seal on Ganondorf, as you've said, and she is responsible for for that. And then second of all, she needs to send herself back into time. And a classic example of the magnificent Zelda bootstrap paradox to begin this whole sequence of events, which will lead her future self back to that exact moment where Ganondorf is, is like revived. I think that that would have been like such an awesome and easy explanation if it would have been like, okay, Zelda set this all up. She planned it. It's not just happenstance that, that the secret stone sends her back into time. This is Zelda's will that she wants this to happen and send her back. This is Zelda's will that she wants Ganondorf to wake up. And yes, it's going to suck for a little bit, but like, it's the only way to finally get rid of this guy. I think that would have been awesome. And like yeah. what we get, it's fine. Like it's, it's, it's serviceable. Um, but man, that, that would have been really cool. I mean, there's still, I, I feel like there's elements there of what you're wanting because it, because in this was I, something I that it took me a, I think this is something that took me a minute to realize because at first I was like, where did the heck did the Sky Islands come from? Where did these shrines come from? Well, they're there because Zelda went back in time. So the second she goes back in time is the second she, that in the future she set up all this, all these trials for Link, you know, mm. putting the Temple of Time up in the sky, having these shrines set up um, so that he is prepared to find her, find the Master Sword, beat Ganondorf. So that's, it's clear that that was her plan and that's why those things all of a sudden show up. Right. But for the for like the long for easily the first hundred hours of the game, I'm like, why did all this stuff all of a sudden show up and nobody's like, everybody's like, oh cool, stuff is in the sky. Like there was no explanation for that, but you can guess after you've seen the story that it's because Zelda set it up. You know what I mean? It's I mean, just like one of those things that's frustrating where it's like obviously that's what's going on, but there's no explanation for why that's going on. Yeah. So so I would I would say like I think you can infer that but i i think for me i would have liked to just see them kind of confirm that or like kind of yeah. come outright and say that because i think that makes zelda look really smart if, if they yes. if they do that and and, and now like is, right? yeah, she, yeah she is like but now it's just kind of like i think this is what zelda meant to do but like i'm not exactly sure it like so you just kind of infer it where if it were me i would have kind of maybe just said like had a had a quick cutscene where zelda's like hey I need to 
eat the stone. I need to set up this magic to take me back into time. I need to make sure that Ganondorf awakens. And and, and actually, I'm going to save the last thing that I think that she should do because I know okay. I know that you hate this this part. But um, let's talk about the upheaval really quickly. Uh-huh. I do like that. Actually, and and one thing that I also think bears repeating uh, is worth bearing repeating is how did the royal line continue? after oh yeah you brought that up and and it's just like i understood what you were asking i didn't at first but i understood what you were asking and it's like yeah you kind of question like how did how did that happen (laughs) like i think would it have hurt to see like a little a little raru baby running around or something like that that you could maybe be like okay like he must have had a baby or two and like that's that's how we get here I want to connect this to Star Wars really quick. There's a there, where Ahsoka's coming out, so there's like connections to Rebels, and I'm sorry if nobody knows what I'm talking about, but there's a kid involved, and in Rebels, you wonder like how the heck did this kid even come about? Like when did this happen? Because one of the parents dies, so it's like when was there time for this kid to happen? So it's kind of the same thing where it's just like when was there time for Rauru and Sonya to continue their line? They're dead. You know, right. we didn't see any of their children running around. So, yeah, I kind of get where you're coming from with that. But I'm assuming there's children in the background. I can't wait for the, the Netflix show that comes out in like 15 years that shows us little little Sonya and Raru running around. <laughs> um, so anyways, that, that's like that's something that I've always wondered. But the, the upheaval, upheaval, easy for me to say, the upheaval I thought was very cool um, because it's like it's this big, big event that happens and um and I think it like it, it should be a big event because like you've got all this like I mean you've got the castle rising in the sky you've got see uh, the sky islands to me actually I didn't I wasn't concerned about that because I think that that was directly connected to the upheaval right like yeah, but so when the, when it happened you didn't ask like why all of a sudden is this stuff showing up in the sky why are all these sky islands everywhere and the island and then pieces are falling down like why is that happening all of a sudden. Well, I, I think that that people just say like it's because of the the upheaval, like it's. But the, the question, maybe the, what you're asking, or maybe what I'm not getting, is like what caused the upheaval, right? And we know because we saw we right. saw it, right? The people don't know. I guess my my thing is just like was that stuff always in the sky and just invisible to everybody in Breath of the Wild? And then so when the upheaval happens, all of a sudden it's just really visible. Obviously, later I figured out it was because Zelda went back in time and like you know it caused all of a sudden for these things to appear because right. Zelda went back in time. So I do think that the, the great sky Island was that. up there, right? We don't see it in breath of the wild. Where is it? Well, <laughs> yes, but I, I believe they do mention that the great skyland has been up there for like quite a while. Is, is yeah, that because, correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Zelda, before she goes all dragon mode, she tells them, she tells them in Minru to send the stuff up into the sky right. so that, it's a trial to prepare Link and whatnot. So, but that would that would mean it's up there already in Breath of the Wild. So where is it? Why can't we see it? That I guess that's that's my my issue is like you go, you still have Breath of the Wild in the mix. If this yes. was its own game, fine, you know. But you still have Breath of the Wild in the mix where you're not seeing any of this crap. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, I, and I've got something for you. But I I will okay. say I will say, I think I could buy the explanation if Nintendo tried to sell me this this explanation i think i could buy it i could swallow it where they're just like listen the stuff is way up in the sky it was covered by clouds you just couldn't see it in, in breath of the wild <laughs> or like if even if they were just like there's some 
there's some magic covering it that's making it <laughs> invisible. And that's why you can't see the Death Stars. And that's why you can't see the Great Sky Island. I could be like, I'm getting taken for a ride. But you know what? Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. And and I have a, a big, long point that I want to make here. So bear with me. So I think one of the things that I, that, you know what? It didn't, surprisingly, it didn't bother me as much as I think it bothered you. Which is funny because I feel like I'm more of a stickler for these things. But the lack of continuity to Breath of the Wild is, like, outrageous at, it at is. times. It is. so bad. Um, like, where's all the guardians? Where's all the shrines? Where are the Sheikah I mean, the Sheikah Towers are still there. But, like, where where is they're all... Different. They're not the same Sheikah Towers. No, they're, they're not. So, like, where is all of this Sheikah technology... Why does nobody recognize Link? What happened to the champions? Why why are they not like a a unit anymore? Like what what why does like why why does it seem like the events of Breath of the Wild are like this this weird thing that that happened like in in like a parallel dimension? Yeah. Yeah. And I if I was Nintendo, once again, I would have went the way where it's just like, you know what? That did happen in a parallel dimension. Or not a parallel dimension, but like a different future. You're familiar with uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, right? Yeah. Now, I could have bought... And again, this goes back to Zelda going back into, into the past and having this wicked plan. Knowing that the Breath of the Wild timeline as it is, there is no chance of defeating the Demon King. The Master Sword is pooched. Link's arm has been ripped right off. And Zelda fell basically to her death. That's the, that's the timeline in Breath of the Wild's timeline. And Zelda is just like, well, that's no good. I've been to that timeline because it's it's my future, much like Days of Future Past. So if they would have went to the into the past, if Zelda would have had some fail-saves to take her back into the past using this bootstrap paradox, which I, I, I love, she would have been like, all right, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to charge up the Master Sword for like a million years on on my dragon head so that it has all this light energy. We are going to never, never build the Divine Beasts because it's not going to be worth it. Because eventually they're going to get taken over. Guardians? uh Uh-uh. We're not doing it. Um, all of the, all of this different stuff that we know would come to pass in Breath of the Wild and to an extent Age of Calamity. I think that, I think that like... If I were Nintendo, I would have made Zelda again the smartest person in the world to be like, we're we're taking it down a different direction and we are going to avoid all that. And so by doing that, you create almost like an an alternate timeline in a sense. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's like a a buzzword with Zelda fans. And I don't like timelines any more than the other than someone else. But like, I think that you can do that in a very easy and digestible way. I'm not suggesting that you have to do anything else with this timeline after, but like. If you created, if you had Zelda go back into the past and that, you know, she she knew that the Breath of the Wild timeline ended in disaster and made some alterations to make a better future. What's wrong with that story? What's wrong with that explanation? It solves almost mm-hmm. every single big major issue with continuity and problems and, and stuff like that with, with Breath of the Wild. Because, like, the way that it is now, it just feels weird. Like, it just kind of feels weird. It's like Bolson. Why don't you remember me? Like, right. yeah. we built a whole house together. Yeah, yeah it's um... you were outside my house for like the entire game, my brother. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? What do you mean? Yeah, and like, I 100% get what you're saying, and like, I feel like that's what the answer would be if not for the tiny, tiny bits of continuity that there is, where they're like, yes, the calamity still happened, you know, and right. 100 years ago we were screwed, but now we're fine. 
um, they still have the mural of like, the, or the tapestry of the story. They still, there's still these tiny little things that say Breath of the Wild happened. Yes. Or the events in Breath of the Wild happened. So that tragedy still happened. But then there's like, but it's almost like they want to forget it so bad that it's like wiped from everybody's memory still. And it's just, it's so weird. And you I've see- seen theories where when it comes to the Sheikah technology, that it was all deconstructed because they didn't want it um, corrupted again, which makes sense. You know what? I could um, buy that too. Like, if, I like could, but tell us but that. if they said it, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, or that they deconstructed it, recycled it, and created the towers. Well, you have one-for-one towers, so where, where's all the shrine pieces? Where's all the... There's right. a, a crap ton of underground Sheikah stuff. Where'd all that go? Is it just buried at this point? Like, Okay, I, I, have some, I have something else to add here too. So you know how for a while I was just like, you know, we, we've kind of touched upon the story of Age of Calamity and been like, ah, you know, in a nutshell, this is a really cool story, but like, it's not what happens in, in Breath of the Wild. Like, this isn't, this isn't that. They could have made this whole trilogy so awesome. And I would have immediately and, and without any shame been like, I apologize, Age of Calamity. This is a masterful story. What they could have done, and perhaps they should have done, is they create... Zelda goes back in time and tears the kingdom, creates this semi-alternate timeline, right? And maybe that leads to the events of Age of Calamity, where, like, and this is a little bit of a stretch, because you still have all the Sheikah technology and everything like that, but let's let's just go with this, where it creates a a somewhat alternate er, timeline, where, like, you still fight Calamity Ganon, but maybe he doesn't have the Guardians, maybe he doesn't have the the Divine Beast and stuff like that. You still fight him, but you can defeat him, and, um, and you still do interact with with some of those characters. Like, you interact with Unobo, you interact with Sidon, and stuff like that. The characters that make sense. And, and Age of Calamity could have, perhaps, shown that, and then still given you a happy ending as well. And then, at the it, which is kind of a risky play, because then at the time, you're just like, this is bogus. This isn't what happened before uh, Breath of the Wild. But, like, retroactively, after you finish Tears of the Kingdom, you're like, wow, it, this Age of Calamity was, in fact, like, the prequel to Tears of the Kingdom, not not breath of the wild. So mm-hmm. that would have been like kind of kind of cool like if they if they went that way and that that would have maybe covered up some of the lack of continuity from breath of the wild and fixed age of calamity and I I don't know. I'm I'm trying to make chicken salad yeah. out of you know what here but Yeah. And but even so at that point Zelda and Link would actually be their age. They'd be over 100 years old, you know. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah, okay, you're right. <laughs> So, I Maybe mean, they yeah, got that, that that juice from Pura to, to keep their good looks. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Their little magic turn back time thing. Um, yeah, it's just it's just really... It's such a weird choice for Nintendo not to, to... Here's the thing. I think that we've had direct sequels in the past with the Zelda series, but it's worked because it's usually almost always in an alternate world. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. So I keep saying that because I feel like I'm talking in circles and like not making sense. So I keep saying, you know what I mean? So apologies for that. Anyways, so it made sense because it was in an alternate world. This is the same exact world. It's marketed as, again, maybe the marketing team just needs to be like rehashed because they did this with Age of Calamity, marketing it incorrectly. And then I think they did it with Tears a little bit too, saying this is a direct sequel, but it's not enough of a direct sequel. They're not connecting it to things that happened in Breath of the Wild enough for it to feel because they want it to be a standalone item like mm. Majora's Mask was, like Phantom Hourglass was, which I understand and I get and I'm I'm all for that, but 
put us in a different universe. Do what you said about having an alternate kind of timeline. Maybe the calamity didn't happen. I don't know. But it's just such an odd choice what they did where they're like, this is like five or six years past Breath of the Wild. But nobody remembers you. All the Sheikah stuff magically disappeared. Um, I don't know. Like, the stuff in the sky all of a sudden. It's just, it's really weird. It's such a weird decision that was made. I, I like, and I think it would have been kind of cool to, to go back and you're like, why did, like, instead of like, why it feels like nobody remembers me, but like some people do. It's like, why does it feel like Link never existed in this world yet? Like, mm-hmm. just, and maybe like Drip Nobo, that's just him in this alternate timeline where he's just like kind of a goon. And like, maybe, I, I mean, maybe Tiba is, is not really there. And that's why you have Tulin instead. And like, I don't know, you could have done something else, I guess, with, uh, with, um, the other two, but and, and another continuity thing that's weird too is it, it aside from the Mifa court, it feels like the champions just like never existed in in this world either, which I mm-hmm. thought was strange. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I, I I think that that is weird. I think that there could have been a cool explanation to get around that. Obviously, they did not go that way. And you know, are we overthinking it? Maybe, probably. You know, like mm-hmm. I think to the average fan, they're just like, whatever. I don't care. Like it's, I just want to yeah. play the the Zelda game. But, like, yeah. I, I feel like more and more and more, like, story is becoming, like, a really big deal in the Zelda series. Especially, like, you know, I, I think, like, with the, the rise of the Zelda YouTuber and, like, that kind of stuff, like, ten years ago. Like, I think, like, people really, really get into the series for its story as much as anything else. So, like, it, when you when you kind of have this, like, eh, like, cavalier approach to the story, it's just kind of... Yeah. It's a little bit disappointing, but let, let's yeah, move like on from... Did, like, you didn't do your research, you know, a little, yeah. you set up the story. Which is weird, because it's like, you made the first game, dude! Like, this is your game! Yeah. Uh, let's move on, because we, yeah, we have a lot of other stuff to cover here. Um, oh, let's, God. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk about fake Zelda. I love the idea of fake Zelda. I think that this is really cool. I do think that the execution was uh, a little bit lacking sometimes. I would have liked to have seen more... Um, I would have actually, I would have liked to have seen like, even though like, because like we obviously knew immediately like this is not the real Zelda, right? Like, yeah. I would have maybe liked to have seen that play out a little bit more, like, like play out like is that Zelda and like it's a mystery and and unfortunately this is where the problem with the game's structure comes into play because um, the way that Vague Zelda is structured is that instead of like slowly unraveling the mystery throughout the game until you get to Hyrule Castle. Um, because, because Nintendo is so steadfast in like, you know what? You could play this game however you want. You could do it in any order you want. You could just go straight to Hyrule Castle if you want. Because of that, you lose that mystery of fake Zelda. And in fact, you have to see this, this played out four separate times where you're just like, Zelda, Zelda told me to do something that was actually detrimental. That's weird. I wonder if that's actually Zelda and which, which is fine once, but then like, again, you're just like, okay, I've, I've seen this by the fourth time. You're just like, okay, yeah, it's, she's not real. She's, she's a puppet of Ganondorf. Like we get it. Like, mm-hmm. and, and instead of like, you know, you do the first temple and maybe she does something a little bit weird. You do the second temple. It's like, there's something not right here. You do the third temple and you're like, what? and you know what? Instead of slowly revealing that you, you just, you have the same cutscene four separate times and it's mm-hmm. just like, I get it. She's not Zelda. She's evil. Like, yes. Um, be- because of that that dedication to, to doing the game in any order that you want, I feel like this storyline 
of any in the game feels the most like is is the biggest casualty of that. Like it, it feels it's, like yeah. this could have been really cool, it, but it wasn't. I feel like it could have been really cool too, but it's so choppy just for the same reasons you said, but also for the because of the the dragon tears because you're watching all this yes. stuff play out about the past, so you know she's in the past. So it would have been maybe nicer to maybe not start the dragon tears until after you finished all of the um uh all the dungeons and stuff where you have this storyline of like what happened to, like maybe Zelda is around here doing crazy stuff, you know what I mean? So instead of you know she went back in time because of the dragon tears stuff or even actually that wouldn't work because even on the on the Great Sky Island it's clear that something's right. going on with Zelda and she's not there. You know, there's very clear cutscenes saying she's not there. So when you go down to the the surface and everybody's like, we've been seeing Zelda everywhere. And it's like, no, you right. haven't. She's not here. It's not real. So, yeah, that I feel like the decision to have that was not the greatest decision because it's automatically ruined by the fact that she's in the past. So, yes, here's what I might have done instead to counteract that. And I think I threw this theory out on a show that we did earlier, but I'm going to throw it out again. I think that you could have offset that because the, the the question in the game is like, is this the real Zelda? And that's the wrong question to ask because we know mm -hmm. it's not the real Zelda. We we know that immediately. No matter if, no matter, as you say correctly, if you start at the first dungeon where you're just kind of like, Zelda's acting a little bit sus here, you know right away from the Dragon Tears, which also should have been, you know, in sequential order, no matter where yeah. you got them. But we know that that's not the real Zelda. So is that the real Zelda is the wrong question. The right question might have been, who is this? Uh, like, yes. who who is masquerading as Princess Zelda? And I think you yeah. could have built up that mystery. And I think it would have been cool if you would have involved a heel turn somewhere. Maybe fake Zelda could have actually been Sonya. And mm. and she's she's been in on it the whole time. And maybe her death was faked so that she could give the secret stone to Ganondorf. And maybe she wasn't who she appeared to be. Maybe, maybe it was Minoru. Maybe Minoru was like, you know what? My brother is hogging all the glory. He's whatever. Like he, th I'm going to help Ganondorf and, and trick people into Zelda. Maybe it's a character that they just made up and like, I'm, it's Aster. Oh God. Not <laughs> anything but that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> See, I would have loved if they brought the, the witches back for like the twin Rova kind yeah. of situation. I, I was think just about to say that actually perfect. before you threw out Aster that, oh God. Mm. I think that would have been because they would have enough illusionary like magic to get away with that. You know what I mean? Right. And they already serve Ganondorf in past games, so why not? You know, of course you'd be like, where did they even come from? But you know what I'm saying? It's just that would have been such a cool opportunity to. Oh my god, I would have lost my mind if that was like ever confirmed. Because that was right? my theory up until it was Phantom Ganon. You know. And see, that's the thing too is like if if you went with like a callback like Twin Rova, it instead of like building up a mystery and building a new character, you could you could kind of play a little bit faster and looser because like the the mystery might not make as much sense if it's Twin Rova versus if it was like a character already established in the game. But the payoff to just seeing Twin Rova in like Tears of the Kingdom would have just been like, oh yeah, yeah. you were losing <laughs> your mind and like like and and, and I want to actually be very clear. I think that the the scene when Zelda turns into Phantom Ganon is amazing. That's one of my mm -hmm. favorite 
battles in the game. It's one of my favorite scenes in the game. It's one of my favorite sequences. Like when all the champions show up, like, God, it's awesome. It's so good. It is awesome. But, and I've said this in a, when we talked about this in a past episode, again, it's kind of diminished by the fact that you can yes. fight him in the overworld beforehand. I would have loved it if it came like after your fight with Phantom Ganon. And you still had, you still clearly have stuff to do in the overworld where you want to, you either explore, you unlock all your areas, you get all your dragon tears, you go to the spirit temple. Yeah. You know, there's still stuff to do. So there's still time to introduce the gloom hands and Phantom Ganon after the reveal of Phantom Ganon. Because, like, I feel like the re- very first time I saw Phantom Ganon, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. But then to have him be the reveal of fake Zelda. I felt was very ruined by the fact that I've already seen him and already fought him, you know? Yeah. And I, I, it was, it was probably just my mind working, but I was like, I was trying to piece together. I was like, is, is fake Zelda somebody is like somebody like, that was a question I was asking myself. And so when it was just kind of Phantom Ganon, I thought it was awesome. Like the, the moment to the cutscene, but I was also a little bit disappointed. Cause I was like, Oh, that's too bad. I thought it might've been Sony. I thought it might've been Minoru. I thought it might've been somebody. Right. Like, um, mm-hmm. and, and it was just kind of Phantom Ganon. And it was like, Okay, like that that's fine. It's serviceable, okay. but it could have yeah. been really really cool if they'd done it that way. But that like the the lack of structure to the story is it really hurts, I feel like this this fake Zelda story because you're just like it's like come on. Like I know that that's not the real Zelda. Like I'm I'm 80 hours into this game. I'm on my fourth dungeon. Like, why is everyone acting befuddled that Zelda is not is doing un-Zelda like things? Like, come on. Mm. I I wouldn't say it's that Zelda is the only thing that's kind of like uh, messed with because of the lack of. And we've talked about this in the past. It's just it's honestly the entire story is messed with because you can do it in any order that you want, and so. I feel like there's consequences for having that kind of freedom. And I like structure to my video games. And so it's it's something that I miss. And I, God, I hope we go back. I agree. And that's a great segue into the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is the fifth time that you hear the story about the imprisoning war. And, of course, that comes from Minoru. Yeah. And I actually, I just said that the, uh, I just said that the, jeez. I said that Fake Zelda was the biggest uh, casualty of the the structure of the story. I think I am going to walk that back. I think that Minoru and her story is the biggest casualty of that because first and foremost, let's let's give credit where credit is due. I love the Spirit Temple part of the game. I love the Construct yeah. Factory. I like the character Minoru. Um, I thought that she did a great job in the game. Like the voice actress, I thought that the character was great. Like I I like Minoru in this game. Um, However, the thing about that is, like, like Minoru feels very... Let me, just, let me tell you my experience with it. And I, I got to Dragon Head Island. Um, in, like, I think it was, like, in between... I'd done two dungeons, and I had two left to go. And I got there, and I was like, oh, this feels weird. Like, I like I guess I'm, I'm not supposed to be here yet, but I'm going to do it anyways. And then... I got to the the Spirit Temple or the Construct Factory and I was like, I'm going to wait to do this. And I finished my fourth dungeon and I went to the Construct Factory and I completed it, got Minoru, got to see more of the Imprisoning War and more of her, of her and Zelda. But then you go to Kakariko Village and you talk to, actually, no, I'm sorry, not Kakariko. You go to Lookout Landing, you talk to Pura and she tells you about the quest for the Fifth Sage and it comes up and it's like, 
completed. And it's like, yeah. you you hear about the the rings in Kakariko Village, and it comes up, completed. And it's like, that kind of sucks, because like, I feel like that entire quest, even though I already did it, I feel like it was like taken away from me, because I didn't get to experience it in the right way. Right. Uh, like, I, I never, I spent, like, no time in Kakariko Village, because, like, I already had Minari. What do I need to go there for? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I feel like that really, really kind of sucked. And if I can jump ahead a lot, a lot to the end, actually, one thing about Minoru is that um, the game, the game, like, gives her this, this kind of big send-off, like, uh, where she, at the end of the game, she's just like, oh, like, you know, my mission is finally complete. I can finally rest. Like, I, I'm going to disappear. They, they give her, like, the, the Fee's farewell spot, basically. Oh, I was thinking Impa from Skyward Sword. Or, or yeah, okay. I, actually, that's probably better. Impa from Skyward yeah. Sword. And and for me, it didn't land for as hard as yep. it should because it's like, well, I skipped over, basically, all the quests to to get to you. Um, You've been in my party not, not that long, and, like, you're... Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that kind of works for, like, a really important character or, like, a companion that's been traveling with you for the duration of the game. Like, think Midna at the end of Twilight Princess. This one just felt a little bit, um, I don't know, lackluster to me. And, like I said, I really liked the character of Minoru. Like, I, I thought that she was great. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like I feel like that didn't pay off really as well as Nintendo maybe hoped that it would. And I feel like... I feel like that lack of structure again to to get to to know the build up to this fifth stage. Maybe you learn a little bit about the fifth stage. Maybe you're just like, oh wow, there were more Zonai than than Raru. Like I don't know. I, I feel like that took away. Yeah, I I would say what really truly took away from it is like if it, my connection was Impa Skyward Sword. You see young Impa take Zelda exactly where she needs to go right has follows her throughout her whole journey you know she's been there the whole time you know she's looking after zelda come to find out that it's also impa in the future old lady impa and then like that parting between the two of them really hits you hard even with groose because groose became connected to older impa too so there's all that connection with the characters well in tears you see like two cutscenes between zelda and minoru like total you know, right. the most most of it is with Zelda and Sonya, Zelda and Raru. And then but like at the end of Tears, it looks like Zelda and Minoru went through this big like ordeal together like Zelda and Impa. But you didn't see that. So the connection, the feelings are not quite there because you didn't see what made them feel disconnected in the same way Impa and Zelda did. So it wasn't just me not connecting with Minoru completely. It was also just seeing Zelda be so like upset that Minoru's leaving but like how do we know they actually had a good relationship beyond like something professional and trying to save the world you know what I mean <laughs> like yeah I, I mean like to be fair you you do see a couple dragon tier uh scenes where, where the two of them are working together but but you're yeah, right but, like, it's not like it's not like they I don't know it's not like they seem particularly close or not like they mm-hmm. seemed I, I don't know but it it felt it felt like Minoru got shortchanged a little bit. Her quest, um, her farewell, and it was it was too bad because I think that she like really was much like yeah, Raru, a I very agree. cool character mm-hmm. that I, I would have liked to see more about. And I think, I, like I said, I think they're saving that for like Age of Upheaval or something like that. Like <laughs> I don't know, but uh, it it was it was too bad. Um, but I guess that's that's one of the that's one of the flaws. If you're gonna have your game where you can just do anything and everything that you want whenever you want so mm-hmm. um all right anything else you want to add to that or should we move on and talk about the big guy and then the ending 
Let's do the big guy in the ending. I'm ready okay. for that. I I thought Ganondorf was really cool in this game. Um, it was great to get to see him in the past doing stuff and kind of his origin story almost and his his turn into the Demon King. I would have liked to see Ganondorf be a more active participant in the actual events unfolding in real time in Tears of the Kingdom. And this is another example of the structure of this game hurting it because you can go straight to Ganondorf if you choose. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think the what what I didn't love about Ganondorf, aside from his theme, which people have been all up in my business about. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, go to hell, Corey. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so Ganondorf is just kind of sitting there in the depths. He's, he's hanging out. And yeah. it's like, what you doing? Like, yeah. shouldn't you be trying to take over the castle or something like that? Like, shouldn't you be doing something other than just like waiting for me to come and fight you? And, and he's still in his corpse form. And maybe that is like a, I don't know, a deterrent, but like he, he changes back it like, like that when you come yeah. there. So it's like, well, do you need me to do that? Like, it, it's just kind of like, you're just waiting. Like you're just, and, and I actually thought that this was even more egregious than in Breath of the Wild, because in Breath of the Wild, you have the calamity swirling around the castle and it looks ethereal almost like it's not quite a sentient being, but it kind of is. So like that when I was just like, okay, like this thing is obviously connected to this castle. And by the way, the Hyrule Castle is like the ultimate goal. So it makes sense that he's just kind of in Hyrule Castle waiting, right? Yeah. Um, whereas Ganondorf is just, he's hanging out in the depths and it's like, well, what you doing? I don't yeah. know. It, it seems kind of weird to me. There's an explanation in Breath of the Wild that's really easy. Zelda's stealing him until she can't anymore, is right when Link shows up. So that's why he's not doing nothing, you know? But in Tears, it's you're right. Like, he just... Especially when you play 245 hours and then you get down there. And, yeah. like, listen, this is actually, like, one of my most favorite, like, sequences of the game. Um, One of my favorite, like, endings to a Zelda game ever. So don't get me wrong. I'm just I'm just being slightly critical of the fact that yeah, he just chilling down there, sending up his little gloom hands to kind of mess with things yeah. and like basically poison Hyrule. But like, what is he waiting for? You know, why is he just? He's got this ginormous like army. He's, like, he's the he's the demon king. Like he's been sealed for ten thousand years, and he doesn't want to just get above ground and start wreaking havoc with like. Yeah, it feels like he is wreaking havoc, but it's very passive. Which doesn't feel like Ganondorf at all. Is he recharging? There's no explanation that he's like recharging down there. Which I imagine that's that's my explanation is he's down there kind of getting back his energy. Yeah. But like nobody like, says anything about that. Like you look at you look at Ocarina of Time, he's a very active participant in the story. He he obviously snags Link out when he's about to go into the Temple of Time. And then he like he he wins. He conquers Hyrule Castle and he's at Hyrule Castle. That makes sense. You look at Wind Waker, he's very active again. He's controlling this bird. He goes down into the sunken Hyrule Castle. And once again, he is exactly where he wants to be. Same with Twilight Princess. He is where he needs to be in, in order to, like, you know, r- rule Hyrule. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just kind of like, what you doing? What you doing down there? Down here. <laughs> so... But again, if you're if you're not telling a structured story and you're just like being like anybody can do anything whenever they want, however they want, hey, what else are you supposed to do other than just have them sitting down there sing Kumbaya, waiting for you to come and kick his ass yeah, with the master sword? You, if you dive straight down there with uh, 
you know, from the Sky Island, then it makes sense that he's still kind of sitting down there. But like I said, if you did the whole storyline, found all 900 Koroks, <laughs> you're like, what have you been doing down here, guy? I'm up there doing all the work. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I almost forgot about you down here. You've been pretty mm-hmm. peaceful, keeping to yourself. Thank you for that. Um, although, I will say, to counter that, when you finally do go down, this scene was so awesome. This was so awesome going down there and you're fighting the hordes of enemies and the demon King's army and stuff like that. And you know, that scene in Avengers Endgame where it looks like, looks like things are going really wrong. It looks like Thanos is about to overrun everybody. And you see, and you see like Steve Rogers, he's all beaten up. He's, he's got like, he's got like the raw dirt on his face actually. And he's just like, uh. and then you hear just like on your left and then all the freaking Avengers come in and he's like, Avengers, is, that was like, that was comparable to me to this scene where like Link is getting his, his, his butt kicked. And then like all the champions come in and like the moment where you see all like the bosses again, like all of them. And you're just like, oh my oh, God, yeah. I'm going to fight like every one of these guys. And then the champions come in. And it's just like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> this, that I moment am- was so good. I God, agree. it was awesome. I'm going to I'm going to back it up just a tiny bit because this is why this ending sequence is probably one of my favorite Zelda ending sequences is you start you go down to the castle cuz obviously Ganondorf is underneath the castle um even though you need for some reason uh uh Koga to tell you that but um you go down there and you um you're like fighting like monsters to get down there and slowly the music like the gloom is getting more intense the music's getting more intense but also you're you're retracing your steps from the very beginning that intense amazing mm. opening that we talked about you yes. get to that mural room you can blow up the rocks now and see that zelda's a freaking dragon in the mural that you missed it at the beginning this is when we're starting to see that ouroboros in the title screen take like take where it's coming full circle not only like are the two dragons fighting e- each other and we're gonna see that here in a bit but we're starting to see the full circle of the story. And I thought that was so... This is the strongest story point Story point of the whole game was when you're starting to see the circle come together. And I was just like, this is so cool. We're coming back down here to almost the same exact spot to fight mm. him. In fact, when you fall down into like one of those holes, you see the torch that Zelda dropped where she would have been gone splat dead if she didn't go into the past, you know? Right. So it's just, it's so cool. And like, that on top of the buildup of the music and the enemies to get down there and to get to that point where you're fighting the horde, your pals show up to help you is just so good. I was like, where was all of this throughout the entire middle of the game? All that story, like, where was all this really strong storytelling at? You, you know why? Because when you get to the end, it's like you can go slowly from point A to point B, and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like. Like if, if you yeah, can, if exactly. you could go down there and it's just like, you could choose to, to have the big confrontation with the bosses or you could just go right to Ganondorf. It's like, it doesn't hit the same, but because it's like a structured ending to the game, it's awesome. And I, I you're right. I love the room where you, you can finally see the mural and, and God, if it would have been like days of future past style where it's like, wow, this is the prophecy. Like I am, you know, Zelda was the one who set it all up like that. God damn, that would have been awesome. That would have been so mm-hmm. wicked, but it was very cool. Nonetheless, like I, I love that scene where like, the champions come in and they're just like, we got you go, go fight Ganondorf. It's so awesome. So awesome. Yeah. And like, and I feel like we've been kind of beating up on the story of this game and, uh, and, and justifiably so. But, uh, 
you can never say that this game doesn't have like awesome moments because it does. It has like a ton of incredible yes. awesome moments. You know, a lot of them that we talked about in the regional phenomenon, a lot that happened here, like the the fake Zelda turning into Phantom Ganondorf. Like as moments, those are all awesome, but it would have been cool to see them tied together a little bit more. Yes, I agree. Um, I, I, I know, like you said, we were kind of beating up on the story a little bit and it deserves it, but like there's like, there's so many parts of the story that are really good, like story chunks of material. Yeah. And it's just like, if only it was like pieced together better, if only there was just a little bit more, yes. uh, like substance in between those big moments, it would have just made the story feel more complete, feel more satisfying, feel more fulfilling because clearly the beginning and the end of this game are like the strongest points of the game. You know, I feel like there's chunks in the middle too that uh, obviously Zelda becoming the dragon was monumental, um, at least to me. I still get goosebumps every time I watch it. Um, and then like the coming to Hyrule Castle and um, having to fight Phantom Ganon, even though I feel like it's diminished, it's still such an epic moment. Mm. Um, there's just a lot of cool stuff. It's just... I wish it just was done better, put together better. Uh, right. I want to talk about Zelda becoming a dragon in just a second. But first of all, I want to talk about uh, the final battle. And we don't need to talk about the actual battle itself. We've done that on our bosses episode. I want to talk about the ending. Yes. Where Ganondorf is, he knows he's he's cooked. And he's like, you know what? If Zelda can do it, so can I. And he eats that. I, first of all, I knew he was going to eat that stone. The second I got I down knew, there. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this guy. When I once I beat him, he's gonna turn into a dragon. I I I put okay, it together. Okay, I didn't know that far ahead. I knew like as soon as he was like pissed off enough, I was like, this is usually when Ganondorf loses his mind and goes full Ganon. But then he ripped off the the tear, and I was like, yeah. oh my god, he's gonna eat it. <laughs> That's when I knew. <laughs> I was pretty sure before even going down there that this was gonna happen because so much of this game was a one-for-one structure-wise from what Breath of the Wild did. And I was like, okay, so if I'm going to fight Ganondorf, there's probably going to be a kind of, like, cinematic almost final battle where there's, mm -hmm. like, no chance of dying, but, like, what what's it going to be? And I was like, we got one dragon? Maybe maybe there's two. And when he, when he like, as soon as he was done, he was like, I was like, this guy, he's going to do it. I was right. And I felt actually pretty pretty proud of myself for that. Nice. And, Good job. Uh, and I think that that final, like, the moment where he turns into the dragon is awesome. This was so, so cool. wicked. And the the battle against Demon Dragon is awesome. Uh, you know, and some people some people out there are just like, oh, it's so easy and like, there's no challenge. It, yeah, it is easy. And, and no, you're not going to die. But I think that if you went into it with the mindset like I did, where it's just like, there's going to be, like, a cinematic final battle at the ending where it's going to, it's going to, um, be like Dark Beast Ganon, but this one was like a thousand times better. Yes. It was it was awesome having like Dragon Zelda like come in and help you and like God, it was this final sequence was so awesome. It was so wicked to to have that like in the sky and just falling and it and it kind of tied the theme of like the Sky Islands and in like being up in the sky in as well. Yeah. Even though there's no islands involved, but it's like okay, like this is a part of this game, like. I just I thought it was so great this whole final sequence. I didn't care that it was easy. It was just like an incredible moment. It was like being in an active cutscene actually, which made it a little bit better for me. Mm -hmm. So I I thought that this was like incredible. Yes, 
Um, I 100% agree. As soon as he ripped that crystal off, I knew he was going to turn into a dragon. He was going to eat it. And it was like, it was also like as violent looking as it was for with Zelda. So that just like, there was a teeny, there was a teeny, teeny part of me that was a little worried because when he first like started emerging from his like mortal, or I don't know, body, um, it started to look like the malice and the, and the dark and Calamity Ganon-ish, you know, the pig that you see in Breath of the Wild. And I was like, ooh, please don't look like a stupid pig dragon. Oh, God. I was a tiny, tiny bit worried. But then when you finally see him, you're like, oh, my God, this is so sick. And Link is, like, caught in his teeth and trying to get out. And you're like, you're like, what is gonna, what is happening? How do I, how am I about to fight this dragon? And, of course, Zelda comes tearing in. He helps mm. you get out. And I love, oh, my God, I was so excited because I was like, I really want to do this final battle with Zelda again, like you do in Breath of the Wild, just a tiny bit where she like, she like helps you get those spots to hit Dark Beast yeah. Ganon. I just wanted it to be more involved. And so I, and anyway, I was like, I want Zelda to be here for this. So I wound up hooking one of her, fusing one of her horns to my master sword. Cause I was like, this is how I'm going to get Zelda to be with me, you know? But then it turns out that she just like legit is helping you fight this dragon up in the air. She's catching you. She's dropping you. She's distracting him. It's insane. And like, yes, it it's easy, but it's That's not the it's point. Done, it's yeah. not the it's done in such a way that it's exciting and it's epic and it's just like it's again pulling the whole story kind of into a circle where the two dragons are now fighting each other. It looks like the title card. It's just it's oh my god, it's so good. It's honestly one of my favorite. And mm. like it's almost in my mind, like comparable to Ocarina of Time fighting Ganon, you know? That was a much more somber epic. This is, like, just high fantasy epicness. And, it, God, it's so good. I love it so much. It was it was awesome. And and we didn't, like I said, we didn't spend too much time talking about the Dragon Tear storyline. But, like, you know, structuring aside, I, I, I think that that storyline is great. Like, when, I you agree. Know, the yes. way that Zelda, what she does, like, I, I think it's great. So this is where the problem comes in for me. Is that uh, so? You you defeat Dragon Ganon, and uh, he he he's dead. He's no more. The Demon King is finally done. And much much like Age of Calamity, there are amazing moments in a bubble here. Like I think when when Zelda reverts back and Link is falling, and this time he grabs her arm, that's a great moment. Like that's that's a mm -hmm. that's a top moment. Um. However, I think for me, I felt a little bit shortchanged. I felt like it was really cheap um, to get to that moment because like it kind of and and listen, I'm not suggesting that Zelda should have stayed a dragon forever or or something, but like maybe they could have worked into the story like with dr draconification. Maybe they still have time to do this with the DLC, but maybe they could have been like there's. It, what if I don't know? You can reverse the process once the Demon King is completed. Something to to justify mm -hmm. her turning back because it undid it it undoes this big sacrifice that she makes, and all you kind of get as an explanation is like Raru and Sonya. They're just like, "You are good, and we're gonna we're gonna turn you back into a human." And we're oh uh, by the way, we're gonna give you your arm back too. Yeah, and it I don't know it it, it felt really cheap to me. It's just kind of like oh like okay I guess. Uh, I guess we're we're really gonna get that happy ending. Like it, it felt like this big Deus Ex Machina at the end that that kind of felt a little bit unearned and a little bit un like it just, it just kind of I don't know. 
like, did did Raru and Sonya always have that ability, and they were just waiting until after the Demon King was slain to turn Zelda back? Uh, I don't know. Like, did Raru and Zelda or Sonya even know like what's going on? Like, these guys are dead. Like, they, I I don't know. So it it, it felt a little bit, it felt a little bit cheap. I could have done with a little bit more explanation or mm-hmm. justification to to mm-hmm. why it was done. So so in that way. The, the hand clasping moment didn't hit as hard for me as, a, as I think it did for you. Yeah. Um, I, I would say it hit really hard. I was super emotional. Um, it's, I, I understand where you're coming from. And I think a lot of people would agree with you because there is an emotional weight behind Zelda turning into a dragon for 10,000 plus years. Yeah. And it kind of feels like that emotional weight is like not validated because she's then turned back into you. Like that, if that was always the end result, then I, how do you how do you explain like the sacrifice that she made if she if there was always a chance that she could come back obviously she didn't know there was a chance she knew that she was doing this forever mm-hmm. so i i understand that feeling however i think and i've said this before i think because the point of tears was to come in that full circle is is what makes this okay for me so I do, though, wish that they had more of an explanation on why Sonya and Raru's powers were able to bring Zelda back from the Draconification. Because everything up until that point told us that she couldn't be. Um, how Link even got his arm back. I was disappointed. I wanted him to keep Raru's arm. Yeah. Um, so so there's some tidbits that I think they could have done better. Um, but I'm okay with her t- turning back. And I love that... They're once again, uh, she's once again falling into the void. Link is reaching for her just like at the beginning of the game. This time he's able to catch her. Hmm. And um, like what we were talking about last week, the fall music, I explained that incorrectly last week, by the way, but it still evolves as you're falling for uh, trying to catch Zelda. So it, the, it still hits. Um, I personally have also a childhood memory attached to with a very similar scene from my like a childhood cartoon that I used to watch. So that instantly came to mind and was something that always made me emotional. So it just connected with this moment. And I was just like, I was just crying. And I was like, I can't believe this. I'm fa- I'm like diving to save her. I got her. We fall into this pond of water together. She's back. She says, oh, Link, I'm home. You know, it's it to me. Mm-hmm. What is such a good ending to a Zelda game, especially after the disappointment of of uh, Breath of the Wild. So like, ugh, it it really hit all the feels for me. I I think, I think I would have liked to see to going back to my Days of Future Past scenario again. If Zelda could have somehow, even if it was like a cheap explanation where she's like, where her and Min, actually maybe this could tie everything together. Where her and Minoru, there's another dragon tier scene or something where they're working tirelessly, maybe for like a long time, like a long time, working on a way to like counteract the the draconification if the Demon King is defeated. So like, mm-hmm. so like Zelda takes this, you know, she she draconifies herself and is like, this might not work. It might work. Uh, I hope it does. And if it does, then like, there's a chance that I could return. And if not, then. I'm going to be a dragon for forever. Like, I, I think that even, even like a scene like that, I think I would have been really okay with. Cause like some yeah. kind of explanation or justification. And I, you know, that would have done something for Minoru too. And made that final scene with her. Cause that's like the last scene in the game. Basically it was like yeah. when Minoru goes away. So I think that that could have been something really cool too. Or even if, if maybe even if Minoru was just like, I've been, I've been hanging on to this, this life of mine, like half alive, half dead for like, who knows how long like i'm giving all of my life essence to you know even that's kind of cheap actually but like i I don't know 
Um, like I and I feel like we've seen scenarios like this before in like Skyward Sword, but like I feel like at Skyward Sword, it was very clear like defeat the Demon King and like Zelda's gonna turn back to normal, right? You know? So yeah, I mean, and I, I don't I get, know. Like I said, I get where you're coming from. I think people feel the same, but I feel like the sacrifice that Zelda made still holds because she didn't know she didn't have a hope that she was coming back. She made all these plans. She knew what she needed to do to get the Master Sword to repair itself. She knew what she needed to do to be, to have like infinite life to get it to Link in the future. And so she still made that sacrifice. She still made the plans. So I feel like even though it wasn't her choice to come back, they just brought her back maybe like as a reward for her sacrifice. Right. It doesn't diminish what she did in my eyes at least. But I do understand how people feel that way. Yeah, and and like like I said, like I I think the ending is is really great. Like it, mm-hmm. it's just it, it was it was a little bit sour for me, uh, and I'm you know I'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade, but I was just kind of like oh I'm like all right, but I like I think the moment where like they they clasp their hands like God that was mm-hmm. a great moment like that mm-hmm. was a that was a great payoff and coming full circle moment and I and I think that no matter what you want to say about the story and the ending like that's still in a bubble that moment is is a top zelda moment i think um so yeah i think that uh you know i i think that the story of tears of the kingdom is good um Mm -hmm. there's a lot of great moments and micro great moments like i think the whole the gerudo town story is incredible i love the like i love the yenobo corp story like (laughs) i i love that um you know the the Tulin story was great. I think that the Master Koga story is awesome. I like there's there's all these smaller stories in the game, like and side quests too, and like all the, like side adventures and stuff. Like all of these are like so fantastic. But I do like I really think that like it just they they didn't get it right with the main story and and I think almost every single problem with the main story is because of the structure of the game. I really do. Yeah. Cause like the end is awesome. The beginning's awesome. It could have been a little bit more, you know, fleshed out, but it's still pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. But then like you get the, 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 the dragon tears out of order. You get the same story five times. You get quests, like important quests that you just basically skip over. If you don't do it when you're supposed to, it's just like there, there is a cool story to be told here, but it's like Nintendo just doesn't want to let, let you experience it because they're, they're more concerned with like you being able to do whatever, whenever, however, than they are Mm -hmm. with like telling a a good narrative. And you know what? There's probably some people that love that. Um, yeah, but I, I, I don't actually, I, I, I don't. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like I just, I just finished survivor a few weeks ago and like survivor was a little bit more open world than fallen order. Um, I thought you were talking like the show Survivor, like vote people. Oh no, no, sorry, uh, Jedi, Jedi Survivor, sorry. And um, it's a little bit more open world where you can kind of go off in different directions, but there's still a structure to the story, so I think yeah. it's possible you can do it. it uh, we talk about it Horizon is, yeah. And so I have a proposal though, because talking about this makes me wonder, like, if we had experienced it the way it was supposed to be, if we would have different feelings. So, like, let's say a year from now, we, like, replay this game as it's supposed to be played, you know, in its exact story order and see if we have any kind of changed feelings. Um, I mean, I've, I feel like our feelings are pretty much, like, the story's great and good in some parts and exceptional in other parts, but the structure just kind of kills it. So, do you think we'll feel differently if we played it as it should be experienced? Um, well, I mean, so you still have the problems at the beginning of the game, like, why did Zelda 
go back in time. Right. Why, like, so, so, so those, those problems, problems are there. With Breath of the Wild, too, so it's fine. Well, I, I think that we shouldn't measure against Breath of the Wild as the gold standard of storytelling, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a True. lot we could pick apart about that. <laughs> so I, I think that the issues at the beginning of the game, they're still there, but the, like those are, you can live with those, right? Like, you, you, can, yeah. you can put up with that. Um, what is what I think is is worse is the fake Zelda storyline because it it runs throughout every single regional phenomena story, so mm-hmm. like that that's tough that's tough to get rid of uh, and you can't get rid of it. Um, I think in Minoru you could probably, you know, if if you did the quest like as intended, would that would probably be okay. Yeah, It'd probably be okay. Um, and, and I mean the ending is what it is. It's like now where where they could where they could come in and and help with people like me who maybe feel a little bit shortchanged by the ending, there could be some DLC that maybe expands or, or offers explanation. You know, and, and frankly, that could help the beginning of the game as well. So mm-hmm. there could be some DLC that comes in and does that. My theory for DLC is we're going to learn a lot more about dragons, um, yeah. including the three that have been flying around. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, so it's, it's possible. I mean, like there there are certainly some flaws i think if it was just the flaws at the beginning and the end like i i can i can live with that but i think like the fake zelda stuff really you know it it really does kind of like i don't want to say like it holds back the the regional phenomena parts um not and not that those parts aren't awesome because they are like uh well except for sidons his kind of stinks but but yeah. like you know th- those <laughs> stories. Those stories are really great, but it's like, you know, it's you're you're you just finished this amazing lightning temple, and it's like you're you're feeling great, you're feeling pumped, and you're just like, oh god, here we go again, the same freaking cutscene again. Instead <laughs> yeah. of like, uh, the like I I would have changed it to like, and I and again I'm no game developer, but I feel like this couldn't have been that hard considering what you can do mechanically in this game, mm-hmm. but like. There's one cutscene when you do the first dungeon. It doesn't matter which one, but like when you when you beat your first dungeon, you get this one cutscene. It shows you a little bit about the Imprisoning War, a little bit about Fake Zelda. When you beat the second dungeon, whatever dungeon you choose, there's another cutscene, and and again and again until the fourth one. And then by the time you yeah, and when you get to Minoru, and you and you can't do Minoru until you've done the other four is also what I would have done. Um, when you get to Minoru, then you get the whole thing about the Imprisoning War. Then you find out about what Raru did. Then you find out and like those fixes will will never happen because it's not possible mm-hmm. so i i think like you know hey i mean anything's possible when you have you know hd versions coming out <laughs> you know someday we're gonna yeah. get the 4k ultra of tears of the kingdom and they're gonna be like sorry we we busted we're gonna we fixed that, it that's coming out in four years man if they keep on if they keep on up with like the the 10 year hd re-release we're gonna be playing <laughs> breath of the wild 4k and like March 2027. <laughs> that is unreal. Yeah. Yep. True story. So, yeah. Uh, any final thoughts about the story before we get out of here, Al? I feel like we've said a lot. I feel like we had some some valid points. I hope that people listening to this don't think that we're just beating up on the story, uh, even though we kind of are. We are. We are. Uh, we're being critical. And, like, I think that's fair because this is a series that we love. And sometimes it's, like, you don't want to just, like, uh, you know, take everything that's given to you and, like, obviously I'm super grateful that this game came out and I loved my experience with it. Right. But sometimes when there's stuff that you don't really care for, you gotta, you know, admit it and say, like, hey, maybe this could be better in the future. Well, and, and that's that's exactly it. Like, that's how you improve as well. And I'm not saying Nintendo's mm-hmm. listening to the Zelda cast being like, these right. guys are right! 
by God, we, we need to change it up for Breath of the Wild 3. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. oh, you know, God, I, I, oh. I think, like, I think there's enough people who share our sentiments where it's just like, okay, like, maybe just bring it back a little bit. A little mm-hmm. bit. Like, you can you can have some structure. You can have some, some moments that can only be activated by doing this and this and this. Like, mm-hmm. the story of side quests and side adventures are, are awesome. Mm-hmm. because you have to do them in in order and like yep. the story of the regional phenomenon once you get there is great because you, again you you have to follow it from start to finish where the, the the overall structure of this game you don't have to do that you can do dragon tears whatever order you want you don't even have to do them you can do the regional mm-hmm. phenomena whatever order you want you don't even have to do them you can you can you know you even if you didn't if you didn't want to you never have to experience fake zelda you can just go right to ganondorf and i, and I think that that short changes what they're trying to do yeah so and so, then, you know, I mean, the, the exact same things could have been said about Breath of the Wild, but it's it's funny, actually, because I hated the story of Breath of the... I didn't hate the story, but, like, the story wasn't great in Breath of the Wild, but there was all these great individual character moments, which actually almost fits this format of storytelling better, because it's like, you just see these moments in time, these snapshots of characters, and while it does it tells a horrible, like, narrative, like, from start to finish, it's like, yeah. it, it almost makes more sense, because it's like, it doesn't actively detract from telling a narrative and then like you know what i mean yeah it's not done in it like clearly there are some bits that are in order in breath of the wild but like you already kind of know what's going on to reach the result of like calamity ganon i don't know if i'm making any sense here but i don't know it's just like there wasn't that much to to work with and it was like fine that it was out of order whereas you've got something where you're like, what the heck is Zelda doing in the past? And it, and then it's all out of order. And then you have one cutscene that says, oh, don't swallow a secret stone. You'll draconify. And then you're like, okay, well, now I can guess what Zelda's about to do. Yeah. You know, so... Don't it, push the big red button. Whatever you do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyways, like, just to bring it all back, I do actually really love Tears of the Kingdom. I think it's a fantastic game. I think there's just some stuff that it's done wrong and that I would have made completely different decisions. Um, I do think it's, like, probably one of my more top Zelda games. Uh, I know you said that not for you, but um, I just, I guess, I, I'm hopeful that, that this is the end of this era of Zelda, and I'm looking forward to the next era of Zelda where maybe Nintendo will take some of these criticism from the fans and, like, you know, improve. The way we want uh, to. <laughs> You know what? I think that I, I'm not holding my breath for that, to be honest. I mean, you look at you look at uh, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think that those two games have sold more than every other game combined in the series. So, like, do I think that we're going to get more in this style? Yes. Do I think it's probably going to have the same... Well, I, I, think I think that they're going to do the same thing, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think I just, they're I don't... okay with open world. But you could still structure it. You could still take it a step back. Well, I, I don't think they're going to do that. If, if I'm being honest, I, I think that they're going to just say like, okay, this clearly works. People like the freedom. And, and maybe they do. Maybe it's just like, maybe it's just us that don't like it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, guess so. I think that this format is, is unfortunately here to stay. Although, you know, you did see improvements from Tears of the Kingdom to Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could see some more improvements from Tears of the Kingdom to, I don't know, Age of Upheaval. Age of Oh, God, That's kind of hard to say, say isn't it? Yeah. Age of upheaval. I struggled a little bit a few times saying age of upheaval. It's, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't flow like age of calamity does. Anyways, 
Okay, well, there we go. That's our full spoiler cast. We've been building up and building up and building up, and I, I think we delivered maybe our strongest Tears of the Kingdom episode yet in the uh, several months since it's come out. So uh, we, we were on our A game today. Good job, Al. Ooh, we did it. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's going to do it for us, my friends. Uh, we are going to get out of here. You can check us out over on Twitter at the ZeldaCast, at Spateri316, at Allison Aletha, and um, wherever you get your podcasts. Like, subscribe. Let us know what you think about our suggestions, our critiques, our uh, input on the on the story of Tears of the Kingdom. You can do so uh, over on Zelda Dungeons Discord. Come and join. We're, uh, we're very active over on there, so uh, we'd, we'd love to have a talk about everything that we laid out love to know your opinions uh so yeah come and do that um and again if you if you want to leave us a sweet 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 five-star review that would be fantastic we we love to see those and uh i think that's all the plug-in that we got to do so with that being said everybody have a great long weekend and we will see you back here next week take care